You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Amen. Well, the title of my message this morning, and so I want you to strap on your, your seatbelts because uh, just for time's sake, I always want to honor the time. Uh, I'm going to have to move pretty quickly this morning. I've got a bunch of scriptures. So let me give you the title, and then I'll give you the explanation. So the title of my message this morning is Silencing the Inciter. Silencing the Inciter. And the, the context of this message, just to, to give you some, some uh, understanding of where we're headed, is that your life, our community, your family, our church, our, our cities, our state, and our nations live under a word. Live under a word. There's a word over East County. And, and sadly, it's not always a positive word. There are words over cities. Even Jesus, when they found out that Jesus grew up in Nazareth, there was a word over Nazareth. Can anything good come out? Are you serious? Like how could, how could he be the Holy One of Israel, when he's from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So Nazareth had a, we would call it a reputation, but really what a reputation is, is a word. It's a word over it. And if you said, what is our assignment with Awakened Church? Why, why can't you all just buy one building and one location? Because what we want to do is we want to send, send, have buildings all over the city all over the county, because we want to change the script. Believe it or not, when the word of the Lord goes forward and people, people activate that word over their life by believing in it. Jesse, the serpent slayer, nice to see you. Stand up, Jesse. This, this is Jesse. He's married to the beautiful Sherry. I said to Sherry, where's your handsome husband? She said he's parking cars and doing all kinds of stuff. He is one of the hardest working, most faithful, most loyal. And I just, I just, I just felt God just say, he just highlighted you, that this is going to be a, a season of unprecedented pro prosperity and blessing that you're about to step into. So there's been, I just saw like some turbulence and you didn't have your seatbelt on and some stuff flying around the cabin, but don't worry, God says. He's, he's stabilizing the aircraft. It's just because you, you're going into a, a, a brand new zone. So get ready, get ready, get ready. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, so let me just say this. Let me say this, that all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. So it doesn't just say all things are possible. It says all things are possible with God. So the greatest thing that you and I can do is get with God. Because with men is impossible, Jesus said, but with God, all things are possible. So you, you will always have to make a decision, which word is the final word over your life? Is it the words of men or is it the words of God? I've made a decision that I can absolutely amen the words of men and live in the impossible. Well, you don't understand how difficult it is. And they said, they said, if you live in Nazareth, they said, if you grow up in Dapto, where I grew up, you know, they said, if you live in East, they said, or I can just make a decision. I know what they said. I know what the experts said. I know what the economists said, but you know what God said. And I've just made a decision that despite everything else, I'm gonna line up with what God said, amen? 
So why are we here? We're here to shift the script over a city. We're to change the script over a city. And let me just tell you, when the word of the Lord goes out and people put their faith, people believe in the word of God, it activates the power in the word so that it begins to flow in your life. God is going to change the script. You may have a script. There's been a generational script. My daddy was an alcoholic. His daddy was an alcoholic. But then God showed me that I could be a script changer in my life. My father was abusive because his father was abusive. But I could be a script changer. You don't have to follow the script. You may say, well, it's been in our family, you know, heart disease, cancer, you know, poverty, brokenness, dysfunction, addiction. Guess what? You can be the script changer. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right, come with me. Come with me. I want you to strap on your seats for real because this is going to be powerful. We've got a new series called We the People. It's an election year. And the reason that this is important is because you need to understand that whoever you elect over you, has words that they will speak over that that region. They, they, they have a word. They have a narrative. And you will live under the word that is in their mouth. That's why kings in the Bible had prophets. There were many, many times where the kings said this and the prophets said, no, 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 king, the Lord is saying that to bring breakthrough over your life. So, all right, come with me. Job chapter 2. Verse 3, Job chapter 2, verse 3. This is the context of this message. 19 minutes, I can do it in Jesus' name. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and he still holds fast to his integrity, although you, God speaking to the devil, incited me. Everyone say incited incited me against him to destroy him without cause. To destroy him without cause. How many people are familiar with the story of Job? Okay, for the rest of you, real quick. The Bible says, There came a day when the, when the angels came to present themselves to the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And God, who, who has perfect discernment, immediately discerns, Whoa, 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 where have you come from? I don't recognize you. I made holy angels. Who the heck? And he says, I've come from the earth, walking back and forth, going to or fro upon it. He says, have you considered my servant Job? Chapter one. He says, yeah, yeah, but does Job fear God for nothing? The only reason he serves you is because you've blessed him. If you take away the blessing, if you'd let me take away his stuff, he will surely curse you to your face. There's, There's more to the story than that. But basically what Satan wants to do is he wants... He wants to turn the judgment of God loose over a city. He wants to turn the judgment of God loose over a nation. He wants to turn the judgment of God loose over a family and over your life. And so in Job chapter 2, God now brings a stinging rebuke. He says, do you see you failed, you miserable little wretch? He says, though you incited me against him, he still holds fast to his integrity because Job chapter 1 finishes with Job worshipping even though he's lost everything. And he finishes with worship, with worship. So let me, let me now help you. This is going to be a little bit of a, a teaching thing, but it's going to be really good for you. So come with me now <clears throat> to uh, uh, Psalm 89 verse 14. I need you to understand that there are two sides of God's throne. There are two sides of God's throne. The Bible says that righteousness and Justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before him. 
So I want you to notice that there are two sides of God's throne. So sometimes when we read the Bible, or sometimes people say to you that the God of the Old Testament is different to the God of the New Testament. It's the same God, same God. All that he did in the Old Testament was he revealed his law and he revealed the consequences of when we break the law. Now, let me tell you something about God's commandments. It is impossible for you and I to break his commandments. His commandments, his laws are eternal. All we succeed in doing is breaking ourselves against them. If I commit adultery, I don't break God's commandments. I break my life. I lose, the I lose the respect of my children. I lose the respect of my bride. I lose my credibility. I lose my integrity. I lose my character. So the word of the Lord, the law of the Lord stands firm. I break myself against. The so, so, so the foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. So the greatest way the devil can get rid of God ruling over a land is to attack those two things. He will go after righteousness and he will go after justice. If he can corrupt righteousness and pollute the land with all kinds of perversion, and if he can go after justice, the Bible says, he who receives a bribe perverts justice. We have in the highest echelons of our government, the highest echelons of our judiciary system, the, the behind closed doors, the people receiving bribes, the people being paid even by foreign entities. If you haven't seen Dinesh D'Souza's latest movie, The Trump Card, you'll see that the Saudis, the Saudis who hate America, who hate Israel, are pumping money into not just our, our FBI and CIA, but also into our media with an agenda to, to elevate Iran, to elevate Islam. They want America to be a Muslim nation where, where Christianity and the America, the freedom, freedom of speech, all of that is, is a thing of the past. So they're pumping money. And the Bible says, he who receives a bribe perverts justice. The devil doesn't want justice and he doesn't want righteousness. Why? Because the foundation of God's throne, where God is present, righteousness and justice is present. To get rid of God, get rid of his throne, rip out the foundation of his throne, go after righteousness. And Does that make sense? All right. So, so, so there are two sides of God's throne. There was a dilemma in Israel, 1 Kings 18, 21. Elijah comes to, to the people of Israel and he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? How long will you falter between two opinions? You'll always notice that there's two. How long will you falter between two opinions? Even as we come into the election, there's two opinions. There's two voices. There's two, there were two voices in the land at that particular time. 1 Kings 18, verse 4 says this, 1 King 18 verse 4, says, For so it was while Jezebel massacred, everyone say massacred. massacred. While Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and had fed them with bread and water. So Jezebel was the queen. She was married to Ahab, who was the king of Israel. Ahab marries this woman Jezebel. Guys, if you're dating a young lady and she tells you her name is Jezebel, run, okay? And so, but Ahab wasn't that smart. So Jezebel hated God. She hated the Lord. So what she did was she was determined that she was going to cut off God's voice from over the land. And the way that she was doing that was she was massacring. She was slaughtering the prophets of the Lord. 
In fact, the Bible says, you know, when you, when you see Elijah, we don't have time to go into the story, but Elijah says, I alone am left prophet of the Lord. And God actually has to remind him, actually, there are 7,000 that I've reserved that have not bowed the knee to Baal. But the reason he said that is because there were a hundred other prophets. There were a hundred other pastors. But they were hidden in a cave. And they were hidden in a cave because they didn't want to be massacred. They, they didn't want to lose their church. They didn't want to lose their, their cushy lifestyle. They didn't want to lose their... So, so they just said, hey, we just won't prophesy. We'll just go to the back of a cave in the dark, mute, and be fed with bread and we'll just subsist on bread and water. But Elijah refuses to let his voice. We just made a decision that your life is too important. Our nation is too important. The future for our children and our children's children is too important for us to take a seat in the back of the cave in this hour. We're gonna bring forth the Word of the Lord. So, so watch this. So she's cutting, she's killing the prophets of the Lord. She doesn't want God's voice. She doesn't want God's opinion to be there. But have a look in verse 19, what she does. In verse 19, Elijah is speaking. He says, Now therefore send and gather to Israel, uh, to me, or sorry, gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So while Jezebel is executing the prophets of the Lord, she's feeding, she's financing from the government. She is the government. So she is government supporting the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. These are protected by the government, but they're not just protected by, they are government funded because she wants to diminish God's voice over the land and she wants to elevate the voice of Baal and the voice of Asherah over the land. There are two voices in America. There are two voices in America. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, tells us that one of these voices is the accuser. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser, the accuser. The word Satan means accuser. The accuser of our brethren who accuse them before our God day and night has been cast down. There are two sides of God's throne, righteousness and justice, mercy and truth. But before the throne of God are two, two beings. One is the accuser. Satan, the Bible says, is the accuser who accuses them day and night. That's what he did in Job. He accused God. In Genesis chapter 3, he says, can you really trust God? Has God really said? He, he's God is perfect in his character. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, and yet he convinced Adam and Eve, you can't trust him. You know, you need to go your own way. Has God really, pff, God knows the day you eat of that, you'll be just like it. Like God is, he's the accuser. He is the accuser. And so standing before the throne of God is the accuser. And you need to understand his accusations are false. His accusations are false all the time. They, they always have like a, a snippet of, but the whole thing is, so before the throne of God is the accuser, but there's also good news, the intercessor. Have a look what it says in Romans 8.34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, 
who also makes intercession for us. Our entire judicial system, our court system, where you have a prosecutor and you have a defense attorney is built, is founded on the scripture. In the scripture, God sits as judge. Before, before the throne, before the judge, uh, the prosecution, the accuser, bringing the accusation, and the intercessor, the defense attorney. Whether you realize this or not, but the devil accuses the brethren. He accuses you day and night before the throne of God. He accuses me before the throne of God. He stands before the throne of God and he says, uh, God, you can't bless Jürgen. You, you, you really think you, you can't bless him? He did A, B, C, D, and E, F, G, E, H. I mean, he goes through all the letters and then he starts with, and it's embarrassing really, especially when he starts you know, getting into, and, 4,790, and I'm like, oh dear. And, and he just, but you know, the beautiful thing is there's Jesus. There's Jesus, the intercessor. And you may think, well, you know what? It's, it's, you know, it's really whichever one the judge believes. You know, is it the, whose voice is the loudest, the, the, the accuser or the intercessor? Here's the beautiful thing. We don't have time for this, but here's the beautiful thing. The first murder in the Bible was Cain killed Abel. Cain murdered Abel. And God comes down and says to Cain, where's your brother? And, you know, he's like trying to, oh, I don't know, what am I, my brother's keeper? Yeah. And God's like, You're, that's a little high on the tension scale there, Rube. <laughs> Slightly guilty conscience. He says, actually, you're meant to be your brother's keeper. He goes, what is this that I hear? What is this that I hear? Your brother's blood calls to me from the ground. Your brother's blood, his innocent blood the Bible says that, that Abel, though dead, still speaks today. His blood cries out. When Jesus was murdered on the cross, there was no more innocent human being. Three times he was examined. Caiaphas, Pilatus, Herod examined him and said, I find no fault in this man. Now, these were guys who were used to crucifying people. That they, they look for, I mean, thieves were on Jesus' left. I mean, can, can you imagine you're a thief and capital punishment is the death penalty? That's how crazy the Romans were. Jesus, an innocent man, and they're like, we find no fault. We find no fault. Jesus was perfect. He was the perfect, sinless, blameless, spotless lamb of God, brutally butchered, murdered on a cross. Why? Because the more innocent the blood and the more brutal the murder, the higher the frequency. So the devil before the throne of God is piping off about me. But you know what drowns out the accuser's voice in my life and in your life is the frequency of the blood. That's why Jesus, the Bible says Jesus makes intercession before us, doesn't it, Daniel? He makes intercession, and yet the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Seated means I've finished my work. Well, hang on, hang on. If, he, if, he, if he's interceding night and day, and then how can he be seated? Either he's not seated or he's... 
Now he is seated because it is finished because he lets his blood, his blood, his, that's why you got to get under the blood. That's why it doesn't, well, well, I grew up Catholic. God bless you. I grew up, I grew up Presbyterian. God bless you. I've got a beautiful cross. I've got a big Bible. That's all wonderful. But unless you're born again, unless you're under the blood of, unless you put your faith in the blood of Jesus, you need the blood of Jesus Christ to silence the voice of the enemy the inciter can somebody say amen, amen. all right i got to move quick the, the band's coming up oh dear jesus there are 168 hours in a week 168 hours in a week we have church for you know i'm going to say two hours let's just round it up including arriving fellowshipping you know hanging out with the beautiful denise i missed your singing this morning you have one of the most beautiful voices. You're one of the most beautiful people on the planet, Denise. You are lovely. Um, let's say two hours. So that means there's 166 hours where we're watching the hell of it, uh, television and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. And then there's just two hours on a Sunday with this church. And there's maybe 30 minutes of a preach. Isn't it unbelievable? Isn't this incredible that, that abortion clinics can be open? Strip clubs can be open, casinos can be open, drug dispensaries can be open, bars can, but not the church. The church, they want to silence the church. They want to shut up the church. Adolf Hitler, shut up the church. Joseph Stalin, shut up the church. But you, you got 168 hours of CNN, MSNBC, you got 168 hours of false prophets piping off. And still they know that 168 hours, 166 hours of that can be snuffed out by one. They are so threatened. Watch this. 450 prophets of Baal go up against one Elijah. 450 prophets of Baal were not able to overcome one Elijah. But one Elijah was able to erase, was able to wipe out the destructive word. That's why the devil is frightened of church. That's why everything else can be open but church. That's why he resists the church. That's why he is anti-church. Because he knows that when you come to this house, when the word of the Lord goes forward, there can be 450 prophets of Baal, Baal 400 prophets of Asherah, 850 to 1. But when the word of the Lord comes forth, it'll resonate with your spirit. You'll put your faith in it and everything will shift over your life. Can somebody say amen? amen. All right, let me, let me try and land this plane. Let me try and land it. So the inciter, the devil is the inciter and he has an agenda. Come with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 18, verse 21 to 28. Leviticus 18, 21 to 28. It says this, it says, And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Moloch. Moloch was a demon. Moloch was a god that required child sacrifice. It's the equivalent today of abortion. In fact, many times when we've prayed for young ladies who have had abortions, and we pray with the trauma and the grief and the shame and the reproach and the remorse, quite often a demon spirit will manifest as we're setting them free. And he reveals himself as Moloch. Moloch. You shall not cause your your sons and daughters to pass through the fire to Moloch, nor shall you prof profane the name of the Lord, your God. 
I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. You shall not mate with any animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. Do not defile yourselves with any of these things. For by all these, the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled. Therefore, I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it and the land. I want you to notice, not the Lord, the land, not the Lord, the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes, my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you, and thus the land is defiled, lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it as it vomited out the nations that were before you that were before you what the devil wants believe it or not that it looks progressive it looks liberal if they're not hurting anybody what harm is it if it's what the devil wants to do is he knows that the foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice and what he wants to do is he wants to, to bring people over the land that don't even realize they're being led by the spirit of, of Satan. And it's very simple. How do you know if someone's led by the spirit of Satan? It's very simple. You haven't actually dedicated yourself to the spirit of God. It's very simple. That Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever isn't for me... People that have not dedicated, you will be moved by a spirit. You will be moved by a spirit. The spirit that some of them, maybe consciously, maybe subconsciously, they are trying to bring defilement over the land because the devil operates in judgment. The, the, the abortion clinics. See, there's a, there's a list of things that the devil wants. He wants to bring in perversion, abortion murder of the innocents, abuse, human trafficking, witchcraft, immorality, idolatry, because he knows that the foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. God cannot turn a blind eye to these things. And the devil knows if I just keep slaughtering the innocent, if I keep slaughtering the unborn, if I keep bringing perversion, if I, at some point God will say enough is enough. And then the devil's agenda to destroy America will happen and we'll be scratching our heads wondering how on earth do we get to this place? How? In 2001, September 11, planes struck the Twin Towers. Planes struck the... It was, it was a judgment on America. Do you know that Ground Zero was the exact place, was the exact place that the very, very first president of the United States of America, George Washington, prayed and dedicated this nation to the God of nations and proclaimed that we would be a nation with a constitution. And he said that the constitution is wholly written for a moral and religious people. And at that spot, not, not half a mile down the street, not a hundred yards down the street, not in a different city, at the same spot where the plane struck and brought those things down, at that same spot, George Washington prayed and dedicated, the first president dedicated. But because America had drifted from God, it was like a warning. 
In 2007, there was a, a prophet from South Africa by the name of Kim Clement. Kim Clement prophesied in 2007. We're going to watch the prophecy. It only goes for a minute and a half. In 2013 or 2014, he prophesied again. Powerful prophet, South African guy. In 2014, this was his prophecy, 2014. He said, the devil's trying to put a witch in the White House, but I will not allow it, says the Lord. Jezebel is trying to get into the White House, but I will not allow it. He says, my, my servant, my David, my servant, my David will be in the White House. He says, and this will be a sign that my anointed is in the White House. The weekend of his inauguration, California, California, God has not forgotten you. The weekend of his inauguration, the drought in California, I see high winds, I see high winds. The drought in California will be broken. January 20, 2016 was the inauguration of President Trump. Do you know what happened that weekend? The drought in California that they said would never be broken. How do we know? We had our management retreat up at Big Bear and we're driving up. They had to dig down six feet to find the 14 foot high welcome to Big Bear sign was buried in snow. They had 18 feet of snow. Big Bear, the, 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 uh, the dam up in, in uh, Sacramento was the, on the, the precipice of breaking. It broke the drought in one weekend. When a prophet tells you this will be a sign, you want to lean in. Coming into, coming into that election, everything looked custard. Everything looked like Hillary was a shoo-in. God gave me three things He wanted me to, to, to pray. The first thing before I prayed, I said, okay, God, okay, God. We all know Donald Trump. We all know the locker room talk. We all know Donald Trump, third marriage. We all know. I said, what's the difference between Donald and Hillary? What's the difference? And God said, it's very simple, Jürgen. He said, Donald Trump is like you a transgressor of my laws. Like, oh, you didn't have to be so blunt. <laughs> he says, but not Hillary. He says, Donald Trump, like you, is a transgressor. All have sinned and fall short. He says, but Hillary Clinton is a despiser of my laws. She hates, she detests my laws. That's the difference. All have sinned. So before we start throwing stones at other people's sin, you may just want to do a little bit of in, inward introspection. So then God says, I want you to pray. And the Holy Spirit's our helper. He says, I want you to pray and ask God to hear the prayers of the founding fathers. And I said, God, <laughs> you're a little late. They lived 240 years ago. He says to you, but not to the Father. The Father doesn't live in time. He lives outside of time. He hears the prayers of the founding fathers who were believing for one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. That was it. So I began to pray that. After about two weeks of praying that, he's, the Holy Spirit came to me again and he said, I want you to double down. He says, I want you to now add to that, ask the Father to hear the cry of the blood that American soldiers, that American men and women have shed not just here in a civil war. Do you know we're the only nation that went to war with itself to, to get rid of slavery? No other nation in human history started a war against itself to bring injustice to justice. 
to end slavery, but America did. And do you know how many people, black and white, in fact, a lot of white people shed their blood because they believed in what, when the founding father says that God created all men equal, they gave their lives and they shed their blood. Do you know no other nation has, has allowed its sons and daughters to go and depose dictators in other nations, shedding their blood in the soil of Iraq, soil of Afghanistan, soil of Somalia, so all over the world, America went fighting for truth, fighting for liberty. And you better believe that their blood, that, that it's not just a cross in the ground to commemorate a life lost. You better believe the same God who heard the cry of righteous Abel blood is the same God that hears their blood, the cause that they died for. So I began to pray for that where everything began to shift. Everything began to shift. We, be, we began to see everything and then we have what we have today. Today we're in a battle again. We're in a battle again. I want to play this clip from Kim Clement. So have a look at the screen and, and if we can uh, go ahead and play that, that'd be great. Him with the Holy Spirit and my power, says the Lord of hosts. Hold on! 
I serve on the uh, evangelical evangelicals for Trump committee, and uh, one of the one of the pastors that I serve with, Pastor Jensen Franklin, got to pray with Melania, and she is now baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Eric Trump baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. God is moving in the highest echelons of our land. But I want you to stand to your feet. We're out of time. God loves you. God loves America. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. Did you know that Kim Clement passed away three days after Trump's inauguration? Almost like there was an assignment that God had given him, an assignment fulfilled. We're in a battle for our nation. The devil wants to destroy America. He wants to, he wants to incite God against America. But there's something that cries out louder. There's an intercessor. There's the blood of Jesus Christ. The hope of America is not the judiciary branch, the legislative branch. The, the hope of America is Jesus Christ. The hope of America is Jesus Christ. Hear me today. The hope of America is Jesus Christ. There are two choices in every election. Always choose the one who is pro-Jesus Christ because it's Jesus' blood that stays the hand of the inciter that silences the inciter. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. Lord God, all have sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I thank you that there is another in the fire standing next to me. I thank you that there is one who silences the accusations of the devil that says, I deserve death. I deserve hell. I deserve misery. I deserve divorce. I deserve brokenness. I deserve dysfunction. I deserve... But there's a, there's a blood that was shed that says, Father, I shed my blood on the cross. I already paid for all of their crimes. All of their sins have been cleansed. All of their transgressions removed from their lives. If today you've never surrendered to Jesus, friend, come in under the blood and let the blood wash you. Let the blood cleanse, but let the blood more than anything drown out the accusations of the devil. Do you know, when I first came to Christ, I had all the accusations of the devil in my head. He would say, you don't deserve, you don't deserve, you don't deserve. And then the Holy Spirit said, you've got to learn how to apply the blood. You don't know what the blood did. And then as I began to realize what the blood of Jesus did, he began to silence out, silence out, silence out. Some of you hear the devil says, yeah, yeah, you, you can't forgive you. God forgave you this sin, this sin, but you willingly did that sin. You willingly did. And He holds it over you. And He tries to hold you down with guilt, with shame, with condemnation. Romans 8 verse 1 says, Therefore there is now no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. Why is there no condemnation? Because the blood of Jesus screams louder than the accusations of the devil. So while every head is bowed, every eye closed, if you're saying, hey, I need, I need the accusations drowned out over my life, would you raise your hand? I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Lift your hand high. So I need those voices drowned out. Thank you, beautiful. I need forgiveness. I need cleansing. Thank you, darling. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you up the back. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right up the back. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say these words out loud with me. Thank you up the back. I see that hand. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today. You so loved me 
you sent Jesus on a rescue mission to save my life. Jesus, thank you that when you died on the cross and your blood was shed, that blood now washes me, cleanses me, and drowns out the accusations of the inciter who stands against me. Today I am forgiven. I am cleansed. My future is bright and brilliant. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.